Good. Come on. Hey, don't cheer like you're a bunch of Ohio State fans. How is everybody? Good, good. We need, to, uh, we need to energize it a little bit this morning. I know there's a lot going on in our world, and I appreciate the prayers and the time we've had to worship together. I want to say this. If you're worshiping with us online from the state of Florida, you're on Facebook Live with us, we want you to know we're praying for you. We're praying for the entire state, for those who are first responders, for uh, FEMA and all those who are on the ground. And you know what? I just believe that as a church, there's no greater time to launch the series that we're about to launch called Overcomer than in the middle of a hurricane, right? Now, here's what I believe. Every storm in life, God will either deliver you in it, through it, or from it. And sometimes God takes you through storms, and what he wants to do is he wants to teach you how to overcome. And so today, I want us to overcome today. If you believe we serve an overcoming God, I want to hear your round of applause today. Come on, folks. The storm may come. We don't have to be afraid. God's in the midst of the storm. And so today we're launching a new series called Overcomer. And I want to talk to you today about the lies of labels, the lies of labels. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of John chapter 8, Gospel of John chapter 8. Every one of us in life are going to have things that we have to overcome. The greatest mistake we make in lying to ourselves is that somehow we have something to overcome that somebody else doesn't overcome, like the person that we go to school with or the person that we're in business with or the the neighbor that we have who drives the nice car, who lives in the better house, that suddenly they don't have to overcome some of the things that we have to overcome in life. But I want to tell you, everybody in this room is going to have to overcome something in your life. Some of you in this room, you've overcome cancer. Some of you in this room, you've overcome a bad marriage and a bad divorce in your life. Some of you, you've overcome a horrible parenting situation, right? Like your kids kind of went crazy and you had to figure out, God, what are we going to do in all that? And I do believe this room is full of overcomers, but I want to tell you this. Some of us came into this room today and we have been lied to by our labels. We have been lied to by the labels that people have attempted to put on us life. Now, here's the truth. We all have labels in life. Some labels are good. Some labels are bad. Let me say this. If you're a parent here today, raise your hand, okay? You got a label right there. You're a parent. If there's moms in here, moms, raise your hand, all right? All right? Single ladies, raise your hand, okay? So I'd do that. Fathers, raise your hand, right? We all got labels. Some of you in this room... You love the label that you have, right? Some of you in this room, you are a son. You're somebody's son. It's like, do you know who my dad is? Some of you in this room, you're a daughter. Like you're somebody's daughter and you're proud of that. But not all labels in life are good. Some of the labels we face are very, very difficult. Let me tell you one that I hear people talk about all the time. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm not athletic. Or I am athletic. I hear people say that this label seems to be very debilitating in their life. Here's the label they say, I'm divorced. Some of you, this is the label that you walked in with today, and it's been a stigma on your life for a long time. I'm single. Some of you walked into this room, some of you in the Grange, you walked in today, and you heard this word, I'm a single parent. What in the world do I do? trying to raise these kids by myself. See, some labels are easy, some labels are hard, some labels are devastating. Some of you in this room, you wear a label that says widowed. 
somebody you love is gone. Some of you in this room, you wear a label that says, I'm alone. Some of us in life, we wear labels that are good. Sometimes we wear labels that are bad. Some of you have been labeled as funny. Some of you have been labeled as boring. If that's the person beside you, don't hit them at this point, okay? It's a little awkward that you're talking to them in this moment. He's talking to you today. He's preaching right at you today. See, labels can help us, but labels can also hurt us. See, we apply labels to things or to people to attempt to give definition or a function or a purpose that something has. So we put a label on it, right? And if we're not careful, our labels can serve a great purpose, but if we're not careful, those labels can also limit us. Some of you came in today and you say, man, I could never be a great leader because I don't have the right personality. That's a label that you've given yourself. I'm an introvert, not an extrovert. So I can't ever be a great leader. Like you've let your label of your personality limit you in life. Some of you, you've let your financial situation limit you. You said, I'm broke. And that's a label that you put on your life. And you're like, but I'm broke. And the truth is, if you're not careful, labels, although they're good and they serve a purpose, they can also limit you. See, here's what you don't realize. Your labels may be limiting you. I want you to touch the person beside you and say, your labels may be limiting you. Say that real quick, okay? Your labels may be limiting you. And I want to say this as we start this series today. God wants us to overcome. God wants us to overcome, and he wants us to be more than our labels. You are more than the labels that have been attached to your life. God doesn't want you to wear labels from your past that limit you. He wants you to put new labels on your life from him that cause you to have progress and to win in your life. And labels matter. You say, well, I'm never going to let anyone label me. Well, think about this. Labels really do matter, and here's why, okay? The longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. The longer we wear a label, the less it describes who we were and it's really defining the footing of who we're gonna be in our life. So it's important, labels matter. You you say, how how big are labels? Well, think about this. There was a research study done in San Francisco Public Schools and they got some teachers together and they told these three teachers, for the next nine weeks, you are the top three teachers in our entire San Francisco school district. We are gonna give you the most gifted and talented groups of kids, three teachers, and for nine weeks, you're gonna teach them and we're gonna see what you guys can achieve in nine weeks. So all three teachers all took a class of kids and for nine weeks, they took the best teachers and they took the best kids and they overachieved and outperformed every expectation that they had for these kids and these teachers. When the experiment was over, they sent the kids back to the normal classes they called the three teachers in and here's what they said. What we failed to tell you is you didn't have the most gifted kids in our school district. You had some of our greatest struggling learners. And what we also failed to tell you is this, you're not our most gifted teachers, you're about average. You see, labels, if you wear them long enough, they don't just describe your past, they determine your future. So you gotta think about it this way. A label may describe your past, but it doesn't have to determine your destiny. 
That's good news today because some of us came in this room and we're saying, dude, I've made some bad failures in my life. Like I've screwed up some things. I've made some poor parenting decisions and I've made some bad relationship decisions. And, and the truth is it may describe your past, but it doesn't have to determine your destiny in life. We have to learn to overcome the lies of labels because we're going to face them. John chapter 8. We see a story that Jesus encounters. We know the story very well. And let's begin with verse 1. Look what the Bible says. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Why did Jesus go to the Mount of Olives? Because in John chapter 7, something significant happened. You see, Jesus faced labels. People wanted to label him all the time. Some people said he's the son of God. Other people said he's crazy. In John 7, Jesus decides to go up to Jerusalem at one of the greatest festivals that happened in Jerusalem every year. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the, uh, the, the priest would go out and they would take a, a jug and they would go dip it in the Pool of Siloam outside the, the, the temple area there. And then they would bring it back and they would have this stone and they would pour the water out on the stone. And as the water was being poured out, the people would go into a euphoric shout. Like they would be clapping like, woo, woo, like, like some of you Georgia fans did last night against Notre Dame, right? Woo, woo, woo. By the way, listen, don't ever golf clap in church. Can I just say that to you today? I want to end all golf clapping in church. I'm an overcome. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How many of y'all want to uh, just overcome golf clapping in church? Let's just stop it. If you can't come here and celebrate, I pray your green beans are cold today when you go home. But Jesus, he walks in and they're having the Feast of Tabernacles and they're getting all excited and they're having their religious tradition and, and, and everyone's going, yeah, look at the high priest, man. He's pouring it out really good today, you know, pour it out. And he's pouring it down and it's going all over the rock. And, and, and they were trying to celebrate their little religious festival and Jesus sneaks through the crowd in John 7. And Jesus did what only Jesus could do. He walks up and they're pouring the water out and he said, hey guys, I am the living water. If you drink of this, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. And you know, you would think that the crowd at that point would go like, yeah, Jesus, you're awesome. But you know what they did? They labeled him. Immediately, the Pharisees got together and the religious leaders, and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. Like, he just totally cray crayed our whole festival here. Like, it'll never be the same now. Like, every year that we pour the water out, we're going to think of this crazy guy named Jesus who comes in and says, hey, the water's good, but I'm better, right? And so they start labeling Jesus. And the Bible tells us even the latter part of chapter 7 that Nicodemus, who Jesus encountered in John 3, speaks up for Jesus, and he said, hey guys, this guy might be the son of God. You know what they did? They started labeling Nicodemus. You crazy too, Nicodemus. We knew you were crazy. And they start hating on Jesus and they literally push him out of the temple area. And that's where this story begins. The Bible says he left the temple area and he went to the Mount of Olives and he spent the night. And look what happens the next day. At dawn, he appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman, whoop, caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? 
And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time and the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing still there. You get the picture. Jesus walks on the scene. He had just been rejected. He had just been labeled by all these people. He walks in back to the temple, and all of a sudden they bring in an adulterous woman and says, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. What should we do? I want you to think about this for a second. These Pharisees and these religious leaders, when they attempted to put a label on this woman's life, you know what they were doing to themselves? They were labeling themselves. I hear people say all the time, and I hear this story, was Jesus being soft on sin? Like, it must be okay to commit adultery because, you know, Jesus loved the adult. No, no, you, for, you, you missed the point. Jesus came back, and he just realized there were more sinners in the room than one. Because suddenly the room was full of label makers. And they walk up and say, hey, Jesus, we want to catch you in a trap. Law of Moses says this. What say you? Jesus had already talked about this because in Matthew 7, when he was talking about the kingdom of heaven, he said every time we attempt to put a label on someone else, we actually label ourselves. Look what he says in this verse right here, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Here, let's replace that word. Do not label or you too will be labeled. (laughs) For in the same way that you label others, judge others, you will be labeled And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. In other words, he says, if you write a label over someone's life and you got it on font size 70, it's going to come back to you as a label on you as font size 70. So I want to free some of us up today. I want you to be set free. I want to tell you a key to the kingdom of heaven that few people ever tell you. Stop judging and you'll be free. Imagine a life where you don't have to have an opinion or a judgment about everything that happens in life. Imagine how freeing when you can go on social media and you don't have to share your opinion about everything all the time. Come on. You know why some of you feel judged all the time? Because you judge all the time. You, may, you, you sit down and write labels about air, the traffic in Atlanta is horrible. Kill the mayor. And then you feel judged. I feel so judged. Jesus said the secret to the kingdom is stop making labels. Stop making labels. So Jesus walks into this moment and all these guys are making labels and I love what Jesus does. He, 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 he stoops down, the Bible says, and all these guys are gathered around And Jesus, listen, Jesus did a lot of crazy stuff. One time there was this guy who was blind and Jesus actually spit in the ground. Like one time when I was a student pastor, I reacted, reenacted that for my teenagers. I I hawked one up and spit it into some dirt and made a mud pie. And I said, hey, you ninth grader, come up here. Jesus did some crazy stuff, right? 
So they come up. They're writing down their labels about this woman, and Jesus is sitting here going, he's just playing in the dirt. Some people probably thought Jesus was afraid. Oh my gosh, Jesus doesn't know what to do. He's so afraid of what they're saying. He's, he, maybe Jesus is down here going, oh dear God, please get me out of this one. I know she's not a good woman. I knew it, I knew it, but, but somehow God, you, somehow you're gonna deliver me through this, I don't know. No, that's not what Jesus was doing. Here's what Jesus was saying. There are two types of people in this world. There are label makers and label lifters. And Jesus was like, you guys are nothing but a bunch of label makers. He wasn't concerned. Even if the accusations were true, he didn't care. He just kept writing. He just kept writing. What was Jesus writing? You know, some people say Jesus was writing the sins of the men who came to accuse the woman, the label makers. Like, this is Charlie. He stole $20,000 from his company. This is Larry. He never returned the camel he borrowed from Harold. <laughs> Tony, oh my gosh, Tony. God's going to strike you dead. <laughs> but see, Jesus understood how the people learned. And like a good rabbi, you know what Jesus did? This is what I really believe Jesus wrote. There's a lot of people, because we don't know, but I think Jesus probably took them back to the Word of God because in Jeremiah chapter 17, look what the Bible says. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. I really think Jesus probably wrote those words. And the Bible says that they had rejected Jesus as the living water. They had, they had put a wrong label on Jesus, and Jesus understood what it must have felt like to be this woman and be labeled, whether it was a true label or a false label, it was still a man-made label. And Jesus said, you've rejected me. The living water. I mean, labels are powerful. What labels are you and I going to have to face that we have to overcome? I want to talk about two today. The first one is this. We have to overcome public labels. We have to overcome public labels. There's not one person, if you're human, you're in relationships, and people have opinions about you. People have things that they think about you, what others say about you, and what we think others say about us, which could even be crazier. But I want to say this to you today. What is absolutely true about you is what God says about you, not what someone else says about you. Don't you dare let someone who knows you the least try to define you the most. We get really weighed down by the opinions of others. You know what our problem is? We give equal weight to everybody's opinion about us, and that's bad. 
And we give equal volume to what they think in our ears, and that's bad too. You see, freedom comes when you stop and remove someone's label from your life. So I remember being in third grade, and we would walk up, and we would take a piece of paper, and we would write these words, kick me, and we would stick it on somebody's back when they weren't looking, and we would have like a contest to see how long it would take for them to get. Y'all remember that little game? Okay, and then someone said this stupid phrase because this is a lie from the pit of hell as I say this. Sticks and stones may break my, but will never hurt me. That's a lie. That is horrible logic because I want to be real honest. You could come up and punch me in the face and I could recover from that a lot faster, but sometimes the labels that people have attempted to put on my life and your life have hurt me a lot worse and they never physically touched me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Words hurt. Labels hurt. And if we're going to overcome, if we're going to be overcomers, we've got to overcome these public labels that people want to put on us. So I want to ask you a question today. When are you and I going to stop wearing someone else's label? When are we going to stop wearing someone else's label? When are we going to stop being imprisoned by someone else's perception? Jesus loved this woman enough that he wanted to free her from her public labels. Stop letting other people apply their labels to your life, lady. It's time to break this codependency in your life. It's time to rip off the label. And I want to say this to you. You and I, we are more than our past failures. We are more than our past mistakes. We are more than all these things. And I want to tell you this, and I know this is the truth. And we are way more than what anybody thinks about us. Four words regarding public labels. It just doesn't matter. Good labels and bad labels. Someone came up to me the other day and they said, Sean, man, that was a great message you preached. That was an awesome message you preached. And listen, I love you. I bless you in the name of Jesus, but it just doesn't matter what you think. Oh, I hope she comes and tells me how good I am because if she likes me, then that person must like me and that person must like me. And we wait for people to come around and pat us. And I just want to say, folks, listen, it just doesn't matter. Jesus came to rip the labels off of our life. It doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. And if you know what God thinks, then suddenly the public labels no longer matter. I've told the devil many times, devil, that's a misprint. (laughs) That's not what God said. See, people will always label you and call you out according to your past, but Jesus will always love you and call you out according to your destiny. What if you started speaking to people like God destined them to be? Instead of what their past says they were, there'd be a lot more freedom we got to overcome these public labels, and then we got to overcome these personal labels. And let me say this. Public labels are difficult. These are toxic. And here's why. What others say about you have value. What you say about you has volume. It's loud. And it becomes the filter of how you see the rest of the world and everybody around you. 
And so this, what, what if this whole idea about being an overcomer and overcoming the lies of labels really comes back to how we've labeled ourselves? What if it is the result of a lot of self-talk where suddenly we've put a label on our life and we've tried to apply it to our life and it becomes toxic over and over and over again? And they can be good labels and still hurt us. Paul, great example, Philippians 3. He's explaining about how awesome Christ is, and no matter what he goes through, even in prison, he's an overcomer. And suddenly in chapter 3, he says, I want to tell you all the good labels I settled for in my life. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was Pharisee of the month club four times in a row. Paul shares all these other things about his life, and he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider it lost for the sake of Christ. You know what he was saying? I've quit settling for good labels I put on my life because I want God labels on my life. And that's why in verse 10 he said, and that's why I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul was saying all these other labels that I put on myself as good as they are, they're not good enough, but this one is. You know what else we do with our personal labels? We mislabel ourselves. Have you ever thought about how dangerous a mislabeled product can be? Like, don't you hope that when you go to the pharmacist, they get the right pill in the right bottle with the right label? Otherwise, you may be doing some crazy stuff, right? So I have to give this confession today because I have some of my family watching from Oklahoma City today. There was a, a, a time, I have, I'm the youngest of five children, so I, I suffered a lot of abuse growing up. One of my sisters, she sunburned really bad one time, and she would always keep this jar of aloe vera in the shower, and when she would sunburn, she would put it all over her. So just a, I had to get some payback one day, and I said, what would happen if I took what was labeled as aloe vera but actually put Icy Hot in the bottle? As I heard her screaming from the shower, I realized two things. Number one, mislabeling could be really bad. And number two, I was in big trouble. But you know what? That's what it's like when you and I mislabel ourselves. It's just as bad. You say this, I'm a failure. No, a failure is an event, not a person. That's what Zig Ziglar said. He said, failure is an event, not a person. You're not a failure. You've just ruled out some options. You know now what doesn't work. Think about Thomas Edison. He would have never invented the light bulb if 50,000 other times he would have went, nope, <laughs> nope. Imagine all the ridicule. That dude's an idiot. Imagine the labels on his life. Dreamer. <laughs> but he just kept working. We've got to overcome personal labels. Listen to it this way. A label may describe you, but your identity in Christ is what defines you. You've got to get rid of your own labels, and you've got to get to the right labels. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we remove the lies of labels that either we've put on ourselves or others have put on us? I want to give you a picture to think about real quick. It's as simple as this. Y'all know what this is? Okay. Under penalty of law, tag not to be removed except by the customer. So I have a confession to make, and this could cost me hard time. 
I have secretly been at friends' houses before, lifted up their mattress, and ripped the label off. <laughs> I, feel, I feel better now. Deep confession. I have gone to people's houses and ripped labels off of their pillows before. Because, uh, see, here, here's what happens, okay? So, so we go to the store, and, and we buy this pillow, and we go, oh, this is going to be so amazing. And I don't know if it's because we're lazy or we just don't think about it, but we never remove the label. And so we start sleeping on it, and then suddenly in the middle of the night, it starts scratching our face. I know none of y'all ever deal with that, right? We get up the next morning, we complain to our spouse, and we say, my, my sleeping's horrible. And you look over at this, this pillow, and it still has a label on it, and you know it wakes you up, but yet you leave it on. And I started thinking, that's a lot like us. I, I want to tell you where this came from. Years ago, they were afraid that mattress companies and pillow makers would put the wrong products inside. And so there's an act. It's called the Title 15 Commerce and Trade Commission Act, Chapter 2, Subchapter 4, known as the Textile Fiber Product ID. That's what this is called. (laughs) Say, Sean, who cares? Here's what this guarantees. The only person who can remove this label is the person who purchases the product. So I got some good news for you today. Jesus has power to remove our labels. I want you to hear this. That's awesome. Would you like to do it? I'll attach it back for you. (laughs) Jesus has the power to remove our labels. Let me tell you why I know that. Because he went to a cross and he purchased our salvation. The person who purchased the product has the right to remove the label. I would hate to go to your house and see that you've taken this label that I torn off and you've attached it back with a stapler. You crazy. But you know what we do? We settle for a lot of labels that we've either put on our own lives or other people have put on us. Jesus has the power to remove our labels. Paul understood this because at one point a lot of Jews were coming to Christ and a lot of Gentiles and people were labeling each other like, well, if you're not a Gentile, then you're a Jew. And if you're not a Jew, you're not a Gentile. So in Galatians, he tells the church, hey, you need to get freed up from all your labels and look at what he says. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you what that means. Jesus has the power to remove the label of racism. Jesus has the power to remove the thing that's ailing our society so bad. She's not like me. He's not like me. He's not, he doesn't live where I live. She doesn't live. Listen, it doesn't matter what your page stub says. It doesn't matter what your skin color says. It doesn't matter who your mama is or who your daddy is. It matters who rips off your label. He says they are one in Christ Jesus. They are one in Christ Jesus. See, here's what I know. 
any product we buy is found valuable according to what name is on it. Right? I mean, I have on this shirt, this little swoosh cost me about 20 more dollars. If I were to go to the streets of Mexico or black market of China, I could get a fake one of these and it'd cost me a lot less. But if this is really authentic, right, if this is really authentic and it has the name on it, suddenly it's worth something more. So I want to tell you this. The day that you and I give our life to Jesus Christ, Jesus doesn't just take off the label. He gives us a new label. And here it is. Child of God. Child of God. Child of God. Oh, come on. You can't golf clap that one. Child of God. New label. New owner. Much more valuable. You say, how do you know that? John 1.12, when Jesus came on the scene, you know what it says? It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We got a new label because Jesus showed up. He gave us a whole new label. You say, well, I can't move past my past. I can't move past the labels of my life. Well, I got good news for you today. Jesus gives us the power to leave our bad labels behind. You say, how do you know that? I want you to see this. Last part of John 8, chapter 10, after all the people walked away, I want you to look what Jesus said to this woman. Jesus straightened up and asked the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? See, Jesus wasn't saying this. Well, I guess if no one else is against you, then I'll be for you too then. See, that's how we think God looks at us, right? That somehow public opinion sways God's thoughts about us. Jesus wasn't asking this. He wanted her to get to the end of the story. And so he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. I love what Jesus said. Because Jesus applied a new label to her life and got rid of the old one. And it said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared. Everyone say declare. He didn't suggest. He didn't say... Listen, I've got four options for you. Option A, option B, option C. He didn't come up and say, hey, it might be good if you'd straighten up your act a little bit and try to clean up your moral failures. It might be good somehow if if you could somehow to hold it together a little bit better, kind of hold yourself up by your own bootstraps a little bit better. Don't you think you could cut me some slack? I'm tired of writing in the dirt for you. No. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus declared. And let me say this, when Jesus says it, you can take it to the bank. He said, go now and leave your life of sin. You know what Jesus was saying? He was speaking to her, her freedom. He was declaring to her what was true about her. Woman, you don't have to be called all those names anymore. You don't have to go sleep with a guy who's not your husband hoping that he'll make you feel better about yourself. Because I've ripped off your bad labels, and now you have the label that says you're mine. You have worth. He wasn't suggesting to her. He was declaring to her what was already hers. Go and sin no more. I want you to bow your heads with me today.